Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host and Glossy senior reporter, Hilary Milnes, and this week we're running a special series in honor of New York Fashion Week. With me today is Ken Downing, the fashion director at Neiman Marcus. Hi, Ken. How are you, Hilary? Good. How are you? I'm so I'm glad. Fantastic. I'm so glad you are able to come in. I know you're you're all over the place this Running time of year. Running between show to show, Fashion Week is kind of Men's Week has kind of bled into Women's Fashion Week, yes. and it, it never seems to end. Right. And how many shows are you are you attending this season? You know, I usually see about 120, but I, I'm seeing about under 100 this season, if you can imagine. So a light year. <laughs> it, it's, it's a very light year for New York. Well, actually, I see. I used to see 120 in New York. That's not including London. Milan and Paris, but it's it's an interesting schedule in New York this mm-hmm. season. I, I think we're seeing a lot of designers going back to their showrooms. I think we're seeing a lot more intimate presentations, and the idea of the big fashion show is is something a lot of people are talking about. Is it relevant? Is it important in this day and age, especially with so much social media, so much ability to expose early? Are we harming ourselves showing the customer too much too soon? So we're, we're seeing a little bit of a movement, and, and fashion's in a very transformative moment right now. Absolutely. So we're living, we're, li- we're living history, so we'll see how it plays <laughs> out in the next couple of years. Right, it feels like it's been more than one, like two years now, it's been like, oh, we'll see. It's been in a wait-and-see mode for, for an extended period of time, it feels. It, it, it's such an interesting wait-and-see time as well, because I think that we're an industry that we really thrive and survive on change. If fashion doesn't change, there's there's no reason for a customer to go online or to go into a store. Uh, you know, fashion has to constantly reinvent itself. But the industry has a bit of a, a challenge when it comes to rethinking how we address fashion weeks and how we really present fashion in a very relevant sort of a way. I think there's a little bit of fear and trepidation, and I think a lot of people are afraid to take the first step forward, but we're seeing, we're seeing baby steps. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems to be hopeful and everybody wants to do the right thing. I think they're afraid many to abandon the traditional fashion show. Mm-hmm. But a fashion show is a 40-plus year idea. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly ready to be reinvented. So from your perspective, what, what, what does anything change your, your job and how you're approaching all of these collections? Like, it, does it matter if you see something in a showroom or on the runway? Uh, what what makes sense for you at the end of the day? You know, it's funny because you can buy a collection without seeing it on a runway. I mean, certainly as a, as a creative spirit and an artist in my own right, I love a great fashion show when, when there's a lot of creativity, when there's a lot of drama. It certainly gives me ideas for hair, for makeup, um, some maybe new lighting senses, and even just the idea of how you might style clothes. But do you need a fashion show to buy a great collection for a customer you don't? Mm-hmm. And and I think that what we are seeing is when there are fashion shows. And if you take, for instance, Paris last season at Saint Laurent, it was mounted under the Eiffel Tower um, as the sun was coming down and as the Eiffel Tower was glittering in all of its glory. It, it became an amazing Instagram moment, but it also became 
a moment. <laughs> I mean, you, you wanted to be there. There was right. there was Saint Laurent, the, and the poof was was returning onto the runway, and it was all happening under the Eiffel Tower. So it's this memorable experience, more than just watching clothes trot up and down a runway in a warehouse space or in a tent somewhere. So I, I think that we're seeing a lot of high drama that's really delivering on the promise of what fashion's really supposed to be, and a lot less of just models trotting around for no reason. Right. So do you think to make the case for the runway show, it has to be this this moment that, that the brand really creates? Yeah, I, I believe that a moment is important in the here and now. I also believe that sometimes when there's too many theatrics, they're hiding the fact that maybe there's no there there in the clothes. Mm-hmm. So if it's if all about the drama and all about the experience and there's no great clothes, what's the use? Um, but I do think that... You, one has to be very careful that the clothes stand up to the high drama of the presentation. Mm-hmm. And and that's when I think it's really successful. But you know, the, um, the idea of Fashion Week, it's interesting for those who are listening that have never experienced Fashion Week, you know, you can attend 10 plus shows a day. And though it looks like it's super glamorous, you spend most of your time in the back of a car. Mm-hmm. I'm going from one show to another. You wait anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes for a show to begin. I don't know what we did before our iPhones. Well, I actually, when, when, when technology, I went, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, still talk to people, but you know, it's funny, when I became the fashion director at Neiman Marcus, it was all about a Blackberry. I mean, mm. talk about dating myself. <laughs> and I was the first to start taking my fashion show notes on my Blackberry because I was able to take trend ideas and my narrative and send it out to my buyers immediately. And, um, but going back to the point is, there's a lot of wasted time. Mm. And, you know, waiting for a show to start, getting to a show, shows are uptown, downtown, around town, and all these crazy parts of Manhattan. So in many ways, the fact that we're doing more showroom appointments and you're able to speak with a designer one-on-one or go to a presentation, it's far more productive. Mm. And, and you also don't have to be, okay, we're we're seeing some grunge here with a little bit of like mid-century modern art influence. And you have to, sometimes I do figure it out on your own. And yeah. not that I'm not, a smart person with history of fashion, but it's nice to hear from a, a designer's mouth while you're in a presentation in a showroom what the inspiration really was, why they're loving a fabric that they're loving, why the girls are styled the way that they're styled. So I, I love that interaction. I like conversation. I mean, certainly we all text, we all email, we're all on our phones, but I do like that one-on-one when you can actually engage with the creative spirit of a collection through the designer that's actually creating it. So we actually had a designer uh, right on this podcast for the series talking about why she went off the runway and it was for that exact reason. Smaller brand, um, Audra Noyce, she was saying that when you're building a new brand, especially that interaction with the designer or the buyers and the and the merchandisers is really important because they're not as familiar and you, you don't even have the budget to put on much of a, of a production. But that aside that conversation and explaining what the brand is, you don't really get that on the runway. So, so you're saying that that does matter to you. I, I love having those conversations and, and really for a young emerging talent and you know to be young, just an emerging talent in the fashion world to be able to engage with the designer, to talk about what they're presenting to you um, and often make suggestions. I mean, certainly I spent a lot of time at fashion shows and in showrooms at market, but I also spent a lot of time in stores mm-hmm. with my customers doing personal appearances and and during fashion and doing fashion events and when you meet 
the people who are the end user of the goods. If she's buying an amazing pair of Christine Louboutin or she's, you know, <clears throat> coveting a Chanel handbag or excited about the next Joseph Altazara collection that will be arriving in store, you get a real good sense of their lifestyle. Where does she go? Where does she not go? How, how dressed up does she like to be or not dressed up does she like to be? When you're in Florida, you hear an entirely different conversation from a woman that lives in Miami than you do from a woman who lives in Boston, just because geographically the climates are so different. Uh, even between Los Angeles and San Francisco, my customers are super chic in both cities. But a woman in LA, frankly, lives a little bit differently than a woman in San Francisco. Mm. And so I often meet designers and fabric weights might not be in sync with what customers are interested in, or there may be too much volume within clothes for a woman who she might be a working woman, or even if she's a girl that lunches, she can't have a sleeve that's constantly in her soup. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of an extreme. But at the end of the day, it, it's nice to bring back the needs of a customer when you're meeting an emerging talent and, and let them know what's working at retail and the kind of things that aren't working as well. So it can be a real give and take and a little bit of a, an education as well when you're meeting with a new talent. Right. And, and so it's, it's bringing that customer insight right directly to the designer, which I imagine is super important. Uh, so we have actually spoken before about, about See Now, Buy Now, and, and you are all for the idea. Do you think it's, is it you done? Know, um, you know, it's everyone's, oh, it didn't work. And, and you know, it's interesting. We just saw Rachel Zoe doing that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we had nothing but great success with the brands that we sell that actually we're showing in season. Ralph Lauren continues to do it. Um, our One of our strongest selling seasons was when Tom Ford actually showed in season. I, I don't know if it's done. And I'm all for the idea of showing clothes when they're in season, if fashion shows continue to be something that the more public is going to be involved in. And if we are going to use the internet and social media to our advantage as an industry. You know, I think it's I have to think about it like food. You know, if you don't go into a restaurant and order your dinner six months in advance and then it sits in front of you and you're looking at a plate of something that's just getting nasty in front of you for six months and then they tell you you can eat it. Mm-hmm. And today, social media, be it Instagram, be it Facebook, or whatever, whatever your favor and flavor is, that's where you're getting your news. That's, that's where you're getting your fashion information. And when you're seeing something six months in advance, it's like having a television commercial advertising something that you can't buy for six months. You can't keep anybody's attention for more than 13 seconds in the world today, let alone expect a customer of any age to stay engaged with something they've seen six months before. Because... It's constantly moving and constantly changing. And by the time the clothes show up in a store, now there's a whole new set of fashion shows and a whole new set of colors and silhouettes and ideas. And then you want that. Mm -hmm. So what you looked at six months before that you thought you loved looks old and tired and out of sync with what you've just seen happening on the runway. So I think there's a balance. And I think that it's important that um, sometimes we have to remember what the customer sees in the palm of their hand, they believe they can have immediately. And I hear this from customers all the time because I'm in stores. She comes in with her phone. He comes in with his phone. When is the Givenchy coming in? When, When am I going to see this? And they have to wait six months. Or, you know, another interesting thing is that often things are created for the runway, for the drama, but they don't get made. Mm -hmm. So here you have this froth of activity around, I want this dress. 
and it never sees the light of day. So, so we as an industry, and, and many feel, oh, we, we can't tell the creative beings behind a brand what they can or cannot show. But I do think that designers need to be more thoughtful that the really amazing, superlative, high drama things that walk a runway are what we're all photographing. It's what we're taking videos of. It's what's getting all the press and social media and all the buzz. Then make it. Because mm-hmm. somewhere out there, there's a woman or there's a guy that wants that. And, and I think there used to be this old idea that, oh, no one's really going to wear it. But there's a lot of commonality in fashion right now. And the more rare that something is, and not rare expensive, but just rare of look, and something that has a little bit more of an unusual excitement to it is actually what the customer responds to first. Mm-hmm. And that's this idea that designers are designing two different collections, one for the runway and one for the customer. And that does seem like an outdated idea. So what, as it, we call it, I use, I use this, the term antique. I, I think it becomes a very antique idea to put a runway show on and that 70% of what walks on a runway never goes into production. Now, now certainly things go into a commercial period where, I mean, it could be slit so high that uh, you would be arrested walking down the street <laughs> wearing it. Or, you know, sometimes a neckline might be altered or often we see gowns and, and beaded pieces that weigh more than the two of us sitting here together mm-hmm. in a group hug. And, and so they have to rework the beading and the paillettes and, and whatever. So it's a little bit more human. So mm-hmm. when you walk out the door, you don't just pass out from the weight of the dress. But changing something entirely from what was on the runway, you're, you're doing yourself a disfavor and you're really disappointing the customer at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so as we're thinking about what the solution could be or, or what this all means for the future of the runway show, because, you know, you look at all of this this change and, and these antique ideas that are in front of us, um, that's kind of led to this, you know, it's a, you can't even pin down what everyone's doing every single day. There's something new that, uh, that a designer's coming up with, whether that's more collections throughout the year, going to a June and December or June and Jan- December show, I think. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that's a conversation right now. Right. In fact, I was just in a, at a luncheon yesterday where the conversation should fashion shows move to June and then it's, well, maybe some shows will be in June and there will still be a fashion week that will be happening in September. Uh, how many fashion weeks does the world need? Mm. Uh, I, I think that that even becomes a little confusing as well. My, my stance at the moment is I think that if, if we're going to make an enormous sea change in what's happening with fashion week and fashion shows, we as an industry, especially in New York, we, we need to be very pragmatic. Mm-hmm. We need to join hands, all agree on what we're going to do, and leap forward as a singular group of people that believe in what we're doing, as opposed to, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Because I think that we start to lose the reason we, that we're actually in the industry. And, and I think that we lose validity with the, with the client and the customers if there's fashion weeks happening every five minutes. Right. And, but whose responsibility is it? Is it the CFDA? Because they came out with that report that was literally just, well, designers should do what's best for their own business. Well, I mean, I think that one... Every brand needs to approach a new idea so it's appropriate for their brand. But I think if there's an enormous change, we as an industry need to all truly join hands and step forward as a unit. And I think that it's a little, okay, everybody gets a trophy at the end of the day if they won the soccer match or not. We have to decide what is 
healthy for our industry, not only for the designer brands, for the media, because the media is suffering as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it's nary a magazine that's on a newsstand anymore, right. and for the retailer. And so I think that there, there are a lot of people that, are, that want the success of our industry and the health of our industry to continue. And so we need to all come up with a really strong solution that we all believe in. And then within that solution, everyone can tailor make it so it works well for their brand. Mm-hmm. And and so from the department store perspective, as this all is happening, what does like what does the floor at Neiman Marcus look like right now? Like what seasons are actually on sale? Is well, it all the same? Well, actually, sale is kind of over because it's um, everything seems to get marked down around Christmas. It's the most bizarre thing. Even when I joined the world of retail coming out of design school, I never understood why all the sparkly, fabulous things were getting marked down before Christmas when you actually want to buy them and wear them to holiday parties and to New Year's parties. Right. You know, actually, right now we are in pre-season, which mm-hmm. we call resort or cruise. Talk about an antique idea. These these words that don't really mean anything anymore because resort and cruise collections were literally created for the wealthy who would take holiday on cruise ships. <laughs> and, and what they've really become is they're an early indicator of spring. Um, and so it's really early spring that's on floor right now. But, but that said... And there's a lot of pinks and there's a lot of reds and there's a lot of yellow coming in right now. You know, there's certainly a lot of dramatic statement sleeves that are hanging off of tops and and dresses. Um, Certainly floral prints continue to be super strong and a lot of stripes are arriving right now. But you know what's interesting is, and I'm loving this, by the way, when we go into see a designer or see a collection, we're using the word fall less. We're using the word spring less less. We're using the term pre-fall less. We're talking about when clothes are delivered. And I mean, here we are in Manhattan. It's supposedly the spring season, and it snowed yesterday morning. It's and you, you couldn't find, well, it was pretty till it turned to rain, right? right. I mean, at least, <laughs> at least the snow was solid, and when it falls, it makes a beautiful moment, and then it just became torrential. <laughs> but, but you know, you're hard-pressed to find a winter coat, and it's supposedly spring, but it's the coldest the city has been. So I think that designers are looking more at the months that clothes are being delivered into store. And I think they're looking at weather patterns because weather patterns have changed. Mm -hmm. It's not about making a political statement. It's about the fact that the weather patterns truly have changed around the globe and making clothes that are relevant to the time that they're being in a store. And there was a time too when talk about antique, when you would have trunk shows and and the ladies would come in and they would plan their wardrobe six months in advance. There's still a a handful of women who do that. Or if a woman is planning, she's chairing a gala, that's a mother of the groom, mother of the bride, mother of the bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, she has to plan ahead. But we all go into a store and we want immediate gratification. We want to buy it now and put it on our... We don't want to wait to have our jeans hemmed anymore. We just take them home and hack them off with scissors and hope they look cool. This day of planning a wardrobe ahead, who has time? I mean, you can barely plan a meal ahead. Now you can go online, you can order a box of food and make a glorious gourmet meal without even having to think about it. So it's really about giving the customer immediate satisfaction and being able to have clothes available when they want them because I'm sure even yourself I mean if you're going out Friday night you probably go out to find a cute little top 
Thursday evening so you know what you're going to wear the next night, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah, I know. I mean, it's like that's just how we all shop. So it's really about ensuring that the clothes that are in store are right for the weather and the season and for where someone lives. And I think that's super smart because when you sit down with a design team and they put mood boards together and they think about fall they think this traditional idea of it's so really hot. cold. And, and I mean, it's not cold, not even in Manhattan in September, October, mm-hmm. November. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't get cold till, you know, the holidays. Right. And then it was 12 degrees. Yeah. But that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a weatherman. Um, but, but I certainly pay attention to the, to the global climate patterns because I do have customers in Miami where it's never very cold. Or in Los Angeles where they don't need a boiled wool coat to you know, satisfy their fashion craving. It's not how they live. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing many designers walking away from the traditional idea of seasons and just creating great-looking clothes that, that can be worn anytime. And I think that's super smart. Right. Yeah, I think as we're looking about where this wait-and-see period will go, it, it seems like, one, shorten the production cycle so you're not 18 months ahead when you're designing. And then, two, just release more collections throughout the year. Is that a viable strategy? I, I do. I think that... And we're seeing more and more where designers are creating kind of a, a bigger collection and then the deliveries are broken up. So they're arriving in store and, and what you're getting in your store within a particular month will be right for that month and that time of year. So the customer will respond to it. You know, I, I think that too, when, when you think about fabric weights, which is something I feel I've been talking about in my in my career, my entire life. People are smart now. You know, you used to have to educate everybody. And it goes like this, and this is how you have to wear it, and this is in, and this is out. And that is another antique idea. We all have ideas of our own personal style. And we certainly want permission to know that how we're putting it together looks good. And we all want a little knowledge from hopefully experts like myself that this is what's happening, this is how it looks cooler. But you know, I feel that the world today, no matter your age, people have a good sense of how clothes go together. And we all know how to layer. I mean, we've been talking about it for, you know, decades now. Mm-hmm. We figured it out. So you, you don't need to have the heaviest coat in the world. It could be cool in the morning. It's lovely in the afternoon. And then it maybe gets a little chilly in the evening. We know how to dress ourselves. And, and we really don't shop because it has to be of the moment. We collect, much like many people collect art. It's a curated closet. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you must go back into your closet and find things you bought two seasons ago, five years ago, and all I love this again. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do as a fashion person. I love being able to find something that I'd kind of forgotten about. It's like an old friend. Yeah, I think the new way. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes it's the right shoe and it changes everything. So I, I think that because we're so much smarter just as a population, if you're a fashion enthusiast, if you're engaged in fashion, you kind of know how it goes together. So you're looking for key pieces you get credit for. Nobody like tosses their wardrobe at the end of a season and starts all over again. And if you're out there and you're able to do that, I love you and make sure you're coming to Neiman Marcus. But I mean, I don't know anybody that like throws their clothes away every season and starts all over again. Right. Um, so we're almost out of time, but I, I did want to talk about where New York Fashion Week sits among the, the global fashion calendar. Is what's happening here at all what's happening in London or Paris or Milan? Like, it seems like there's a sense of order that's been maintained there that hasn't been here. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, one, New York used to show after Paris and, and, you know, many decades ago, and the American designers got bored in hearing that 
we copied everything and we took too much influence from the European runways. And so they moved Fashion Week forward. You know, there is in Paris a group who really can decide if you can show a fashion show or not. And you know, the great thing about America is our great Yankee ingenuity. We, we are the country of dreams and, and anything can happen here. And we're, we're not as strict about who can show and who cannot. If, if you have a brand and, and you want to hang your shingle out in front of a space and you can get your friends or models and a DJ or however you want to do it, you know, that's what America's about. Mm -hmm. We're we're about being able to live your dream and and no one's going to diminish that. I think you see a little bit more order because foreign countries actually have groups that decide if you're ready for prime time or not. I don't necessarily always think that's a bad thing. And, And not that it's anyone's job to to dampen anyone's dreams, but sometimes a person should probably wait before they put their foot forward because it may not be their best foot forward yet. Mm-hmm. Because I often see collections that aren't beautifully created, they're not sewn well, they probably need a little bit more time in the sewing machine or even under an iron, maybe a little bit better quality of fabric. And I think a designer's best when they know they're really ready to take on the industry. Do you have production capabilities? Do you have enough pieces of clothes within your collection? A buyer can actually pull a buy out of it. Are you prepared to ship? And and these are important things today because everybody is a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, you, you look on Instagram, everybody's either a model or they're a fashion designer. And when I was modeling 35 years ago. I thought everybody was a model, but I am determined today, today. everybody in the world is a model, no matter who <laughs> they are. So, um, but but I, I do think that for new new talent and anyone who's out there that's listening who wants to be a fashion designer, get yourself ready and not only know what you want your brand to be about and the white space you want to fill, but understand the business model that you want to create as well because the smarter you are knowledge is power Mm -hmm. and and you can truly have a successful business Uh, being successful in fashion is so much more than just having a fashion show for fun and filling the front row with all of your favorite influencers right and hopefully the result of this all is that people don't rush to the runway so oh, I we'll love see. no rush to the runway. I'm going to put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> I'm going to sit in the front row wearing it. No, but you're, you're right. Should you be here? <laughs> no rush to the runway. Right. right. Uh, well, thank you so much, Ken. Um, I'm sure you have to. I'm sure you have to go. So I I'm actually rushing go. to the yeah. runway. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming in, and uh, thank you for listening. Our New York Fashion Week podcast series will be running in a special daily newsletter. So to get our coverage directly in your inbox, be sure to subscribe on Glossy.co. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode and special thanks to Aditi Songol, the producer of this podcast. As always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher and leave us any feedback you have.